What does it mean to know Christ? What does it mean to truly know the power that raised him from the dead? Think about that. This is really uplifting stuff. We'll talk about it here in a minute. Now, you gal that are uh, maybe our guest today, you came at a really great week. Uh, just so it turns out, we're starting a whole new series. So you're all caught up. This is good stuff. And we're calling it Victorious Living. And what we're going to be doing is uh, we're going to be taking this week and then the next five weeks after that, and we're going through the book of Acts. And we're going to be taking a look at certain people in, in the book of Acts and how God in his power, the power that raised Christ from the dead, makes a difference for life today. How it empowers us not to be beaten down in this life. I mean, the book of Acts, if, you, if you've never had a chance to read it before, is actually a part two. The first part was written by uh, the same guy. It was, it was a guy named Luke. He was a doctor. He followed uh, the apostle uh, Paul around. And uh, he was a Gentile, wasn't a Jew. And he was a really good investigator. And he wanted to make sure that what we were believing wasn't just some fairy tale because he was risking his life for this stuff. And he goes back and he investigates it and he interviews all the eyewitnesses and he finds out the truth of what happens and he writes the story of Christ. And that's the Gospel of Luke. And then, because they didn't have computers back then, he ran out of scroll. I mean, he had papyrus, and he rolled it up, and it was like long, like 20-some feet long. And he gets to the end, and he runs out of room. But you know what? The story of Jesus is just the beginning. And so what does he do? He goes and gets himself another scroll, and he writes the story of the church, the Holy Spirit, in the lives of humanity. And what happens? The victorious life of Christ. And that's the, that's the, the book of Acts. It's an amazing thing. In fact, uh, historically, it's been called Acts of the Apostles, but I think accurately it would be called Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing book because it talks about how did this church, how did this following of 12 scaredy cats in a room become a faith that has covered generations and the entire globe? When everything was against it, how did our faith grow? It's an amazing story. And so these next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about how God and His Holy Spirit moved in, in this world and how He's still moving today. And so this book begins with uh, the very first chapter. I'll, I'll read you just the very first 11 verses of it. It says, in my first book, what was the first book? Luke, you're all listening. Well done. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, which was the guy he was writing it to, he says this, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God well, once he was eating with them and he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has a time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And Jesus replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know, 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. And as they, they, as, as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. That is the first story of the church. That is the story of the first thing that we see week one. Jesus gives us victory over death and the power to live. Now in this, we find the first thing is that Jesus overcame death. Remember that uh, that this is uh, the second part of the book of Acts, the second part of the Gospel of Luke. So if you want to see what happens before this, it's important to see what is written at the very end of Luke. And at Luke 24, it says this, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Now, this are angels that are sitting on an open tomb, right? Stone's been rolled away. And why are you looking for somebody who's not here? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of, of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. The very beginning of the church started with this, the assured proof that Jesus is alive. You understand that in this world there are forces. If you take most sociology classes or ethics classes or whatever, you're going to find out that there is, there is a, a motivator amongst most beings, not just humans, but everything. And it's this. It is self-preservation. Right? Why? Because death is this thing that, that ends us. And it goes against our very core. And so what motivates most people in their life is to make sure that death doesn't come to you, but, or of course, death comes to all of us. But in life, if death is undefeated, it rules us. It changes how we live, what we think about, what we can do. But Jesus wasn't limited by death. He wasn't worried about self-preservation. He had a whole different way of being. Being God, he concerned himself with selfless preservation. He overcame death. That big enemy, the one that scares us. That's the one thing that kings and slaves and all people in this world, it, it's, we can't stop it. But Jesus overcame it. There was a tomb that is empty and it is still empty. He died and then he raised and he never dies again. And I think about what great joy that is. You ever watched a really good movie and there's like a, a hero in it and the hero does some really awesome things and it's going to say everybody at the end the hero dies? And though the hero is a hero, so probably save some people, it'll be a lousy movie, the hero is still dead. And you're like, oh. Because what happens? There's always a sequel and something else bad happens. Right? And he goes, I wish there was that hero. Too bad he's dead. Our hero's not dead. Death can't stop him. There is nothing, no time, no place, no space, nowhere that can stop 
our Lord. He overcame the greatest enemy. Death has been overcome. And because death has been overcome, we have this amazing thing. In Acts, the second part, it says this. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, and we're talking about Jesus, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Today, in our very ignorant society, you have people that will blog all the time to say, oh, your faith is a fairy tale. Really? Tell that to the apostles. They were scared in a room because they knew what death looked like and their Savior was crucified and they said, what are we going to do? They buried him. They saw him dead and they said, this thing's done. And I don't know what happened, but four days later, they have boldness. They live with power without fear. They live their entire lives unswayed by, by threats, unswayed by persecution, unswayed by, by all the different things in life that would put us down. What changed? Oh, Jesus appeared to them 40 days and proved to them he was really alive. He said to Thomas, touch my wounds. He ate fish with them so they knew he wasn't a ghost. Because you know what happened if a ghost ate fish? Just right on the ground. Right? He proved himself over and over again. When people say, oh, it was, it was just a figment of their imagination. Does a figment of your imagination eat with you? Does a figment of your imagination go and talk with a bunch of people and they all understand what that same guy said? And he didn't just appear in a closet. It wasn't like Jesus just showed up in some dark room somewhere and all the apostles said, trust us, we saw him. No, he appeared to lots of people. Over 500 at one point. Think about that. So many that 50 days later, 50 days, that's less than two months. That's like less time than it takes most of you to do your taxes. Right? Less than two months. In the very same city where they crucified him, with the very same people that chanted, crucify him, in that very same place, 3,000 come to faith. And do you know what the Apostle Peter said? You crucified him, but there's an empty tomb. And you all know it. He is alive. He overcame death. Not just some hopeful, wishful thing. It's assured. It's, a, it's an act of history. It cannot be changed. You cannot wish it away. Jesus is alive, so what are you going to do with it? He overcame death. We'll talk about what we're going to do about it. Jesus gives us purpose in life. His life matters. And it's not just for Jesus. It's not like he just rose from the dead and said, nanny, nanny, boo, boo, you know. I beat you guys. I'm going to go up hang out in heaven because that's it. No. Jesus gives us now purpose. Think about life without Jesus. We have self-preservation. So it's all about how do I stay alive, right? What am I going to eat? What kind of job am I going to have so I can eat? Where am I going to live? What kind of clothes am I going to wear? What kind of friends am I going to have? Right? Did my life matter for something here on this earth so I'm going to try to live for some significance before death eventually comes and swallows me up? That is a really depressing way of living. And if that is the way that we live, then, then my purpose in life is just me. And some few people live for something a little bigger, but ultimately, it all ends. In fact, the book of Ecclesiastes says this, that life without hope is meaningless, absolutely worthless. 
But there is purpose in life. In fact, Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he got his disciples together and he said this. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That sounds like an assignment to me, a purpose, a reason to exist. Now think about your job. I'm sure some of you have some really important good jobs. Some of you probably like, I wish I had a different job. Regardless of your job, think about this. You may do the best at that thing ever, right? Maybe you work at Safeway and, and you bag groceries and you are like the best like grocery bagger in all of the history, right? They'll make a plaque for you somewhere, right? Maybe some employee of the year award will be named after you. Then you're going to die and, and a generation later no one's going to remember. Or maybe you're an engineer and you design something fantastic, right? And you're the smartest engineer of all of human history. And later on, we might even build a school in your honor or something like that. But then eventually somebody's going to walk up to the school and say, who is that joker? The kingdoms that we build on this earth are, are temporary at best. But Jesus allows us to build a kingdom that is eternal. Do you get this? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, we're not in this alone. But, but this is what you're going to do. You're going to tell people about me everywhere. We're going to build a legacy and a kingdom that lasts forever. We're part of this. You see, there is a time coming when the dead in Christ will rise again. We're going to join them. That's going to be pretty great. And everyone that we brought with us will be there. And we want a big party. You see, those that come to Christ and find salvation because we were brave enough to share good news will always remember what you did. Always. Those things never fade away. Those works are eternal. There is purpose in our life. We don't worry about self-preservation. We can follow Jesus into selfless preservation. And that gives us purpose. So whether I'm working at Safeway, or I'm an engineer, or I work at a hospital, it doesn't matter what I do to put food on my table. It matters how am I spending my life. Is my life invested in other people for the glory of God, for their salvation? Now, that's purpose. That's something that, that uh, well, gets me excited. Right? <laughs> Jesus tells us, though, it's not just what we do, it's how we do it. Matthew twenty two thirty six, he says, You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul, all of your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and the demands of the prophets are based upon these commandments. Now, we're not saved because we love people perfectly, but because we're saved. Because we have a God who loves us. And you know what love is? Love is choosing another's good above your own, right? The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is selfishness. That's the opposite of love. But when we love others, really care for them, really seek God, say, you know what, God, you've got a good plan for me, and other people too, then it's not just going about beating people up with the Bible. It's about sharing good news. It's about who God is making us in the process. And remember, what power give, does God give us to do this? The Holy Spirit. Do you think that you're loving enough in and of yourself to love your enemies? I'm not. That's why they're my enemies. But God gives us the ability. He transforms us from the inside out, puts fruits of the Spirit in our lives. And the very first fruit is love.
followed by joy, by the way, because we have an incredible hope. We have purpose in this life. If you've ever wondered, why am I here? God has a reason for you to be here. And then he has an eternity where he's got even better things for us to do. But there is purpose for you. There is a reason that you're here. So love God and love others as you share with them good news. Good news. Jesus also gives us the power to live. He said, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the promised gift. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You realize that, that our ability to do this, this world is hard. It really is. I mean, it, it'll kick you in the teeth and it'll kick you while you're down. That's, that's the way this world is. That's just the nature of it. And this world is too much for us. For all the people that say, God will never give you more than you can handle, you're wrong. That's not what the Bible says. It says God will never give you more temptation than you can handle. We'll always be able to choose righteousness. He'll always provide a way out. But God will always give us more than we can handle. That's why we need him. But here's the thing. We have him. When Jesus came back and he gave the disciples the Great Commission, he said this, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Another time he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. See, our God is not just with us like in this formal way. He's with us actually in his presence. See, God gives us power to live by his very presence in our lives. You are never far off from God. You ever been in a place where you're terrified, you're scared, you're thinking, man, what am I going to do? Isn't it awesome to know that you don't just have to phone home to God somewhere out there and he's like, okay, tell me what your situation is. He's here. He is right here. Isn't that great? His, the full power of God is with us, empowering us to live for purpose and without fear. But God also gives us power not just in his presence, but also in his peace. It says, For God has said, I will never fail you, nor I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence. Do you get that word? Confidence. That's amazing. If you look that up in Hebrews 13.5, circle that, underline it. Confidence. We have confidence. The Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Those weren't just mere words. That was written to a group of Christians that were facing some of the worst persecution in history. That was a time when Nero was throwing people you know, to, to beasts and having them ripped up and burning them alive and all kinds of stuff like it's happening in the Middle East right now. And to say, what can mere people do to me? They would say, look what mere people can do to me. And then we remember, oh yeah, Jesus raised again and so shall we. What are you going to do? Take this body? Take it. Trust me. It's wearing out. Right? This body likes Twinkies a lot. Right? And it's not good. And he gets tired and he gets hurt. So you're going to take it? Fine, but you can't take my soul. And I get a brand new body, by the way. It's like trading like my, my little beat-up Civic for like some really awesome tricked-out Jeep, right? Or something even better, if there is a thing that's better. What can people do? And that's how the apostles lived. Did you notice that every part in their lives they were praised when, when people should have been terrified? They were bold when they should have been been filled with fear if self-preservation kicked in the gospel would have died but they didn't have to die the gospel didn't have to die because they knew that people couldn't stop it we have a joy we have a hope we have assurance that god's peace is with us he overcame the world this world is beaten 
It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. And that leads us that it's not just that he gives us his presence and his peace, but God also helps us in the power that he, he gives us his promise. Did you get the end of the, that, that verse that I read you from Acts? There was, Jesus lifts out, he, he, just, he literally goes ballistic. I mean, he just goes right out of the, out of the world, right? He lifts out of, out of their, their, and that would be pretty cool to see, wouldn't it? Right? He's standing there, and none of them saw that coming, right? Because they were with him for 40 days, and they were talking with him, and he's like, okay, do this, right? The Holy Spirit is going to be with you and all that. And all of a sudden, he just lifts off, and they're like, whoa. And they're looking there, and these angels show up to their side and says, why are you standing there looking at heaven? It's like God's given you something to do. And if he left... He's coming back. Jesus has been taken from you to heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go at this. Our Lord is returning. He is coming back. It is just a matter of time. And the scriptures say the only reason that he hasn't come back yet is because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He's being merciful. He's being patient on our behalf. Can you imagine if he came back 200 years ago? What would happen to you? You'd miss out on the party. God knew that you would be here. He had a purpose for your life. He wants to be with you so much that he let the world go through another 200 years of lousiness so that you could join him. But he is coming back. And I don't know when, but I know that he is. And that gives me hope. Because this broken world, I know how it's going to end. And it ends really good for us. It is, it is the best the best ending ever. Where all brokenness will be made right. Where all wickedness will be destroyed. There is no corruption when he returns. And there is no one, no power on heaven, no power on earth that can stop him from saving us. Isn't that amazing? That is hope. That is powerful living. And so as we kind of wrap this first sermon up, we recognize this. When we come together at Easter, we celebrate something. We celebrate that Jesus overcame death. Don't ever forget it. I want to know Christ, right? There is a way I can know the power of his resurrection. I need to know Christ first. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Jesus overcame death. You don't have to live your life out of self-preservation anymore. That's, that's the good news of the gospel. We have been saved. Thanks be to God and Jesus Christ. But this, he doesn't just save us. He gives us the power to truly live, really live. Because we're not worried about our own little lives, because we don't have to be self-preservation, we can be selfless in our lives. The Christian has the unique capacity, the power to love deeply. Think about your enemies. We can love them because we were once enemies of God and he loved us. It doesn't matter what somebody did. They can be forgiven. That's power. We can love knowing that we don't have to guard our hearts saying, well, they might betray me. Guess what? They probably will at some point. But God wants them more than you do. We can love deeply. We can love knowing that people in our lives are going to die. But if they're in Christ, they'll raise again. So I don't have to worry about guarding my hearts and relationships. I can love fully and deeply like no one else. I can dare greatly. There is nothing in this world that, that can stop me 
from living according to God's plan. There was no intimidation. There was, there was no power. There was, there was no circumstance in life that, that can stop me from living what God wants me to have, to, to be. Why? Because he overcame this world. Because his Holy Spirit is in me. I can dare greatly. What's this world going to do to me? What's it going to do to you? The very worst, you die. And then you go to paradise. Really? That's like a promotion. We can dare greatly. We don't have to worry about saving up our own, living in these safe little cocoon lives. We can go out into this world and care for people and love them and serve them. We can forgive people completely because we have been completely forgiven. We can suffer hardship with purpose. When bad things happen to a Christian's life and we pray, God, please take this away, and he doesn't, guess what? There's a reason for it. He's doing something bigger in your life. I can testify to that. We can enjoy blessings gratefully because we know that the good things in our life aren't there by accident. It says all good and perfect gifts come to us from our, the Father right, of heavenly lights. This is an amazing thing, that the good things in your life are there because God loves you. So we can be grateful, and he takes care of us. We can serve others joyfully. We can give generously. We can worship truthfully, just like Jesus said, my worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. We can do that. We can grow spiritually because we have life in us and that life grows and it bears much fruit. Here's an amazing thing too. We can pray expectantly because we know we're not praying to an idol or a dead God. We're praying to a God who is very much alive and very present in my life. And so we know that he's at work in us and for us. We can also hope with certainty as we live in this world. We know that Jesus overcame death. We know it. And we know that he will overcome death in us too. What a great thing to live life with certainty. It's the one thing this world will never be able to offer you, but it's the one thing that Jesus truly can. We can live with certainty. So do. So, Jesus overcame death. Jesus gives us purpose in life. Jesus gives us the power to really live. Isn't that good news? Well, you take out your connection card because I know you're wondering, what's that ABCD on the side? Take a look at that. It's just something I was just curious this week. And I want you to just, here's a, here's, a, here's a little thing for you. You can give me a little survey. If you're here this morning and you're already a believer, you've already walked with Jesus, you've already said, you know, he is my Lord and my Savior. I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm proud of it. I'm saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Circle that A. You're already a believer. That's cool. Don't, no cheating, no looking on somebody else's card. This is just between you and God. If, though, this morning... You came here this morning looking for a service, but you found a relationship with Jesus. You see that there's something that Jesus has to offer, that resurrection power. And you want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. You're ready to become a believer? Circle B. And make sure that we have your contact information as well because we'll be following up with you. Because I want to talk to you about what does it mean to follow Jesus? It's an incredible thing. How do you do that? And we'll walk alongside of the whole thing. It is, it is incredible. And if you're ready to do that this morning, circle that B. And if you're here this morning and, uh, and you, you're not quite ready to take that step, but you're considering becoming a Christian, what you listen, you say, you know what, Jesus offers us some amazing things. And, and I, but I've got to think about this because there is a cost. Right? And it's going to change. I mean, when God moves into your life, things change. And if, and if you're considering it, you want to think it through, circle that C. Let me know about that. And if this morning, if you're here and you're like, you know what, to be intellectually honest... Aaron, what you say is all great and all, but I, just being intellectually honest, I don't think, I don't believe I could, ever, I could ever become a Christian. 
I don't think I could ever believe that. Just circle D. Um, would appreciate that. And then you have that. We want to say, what are some things that you can do this week? Last thing I want to do is leave you with nothing. Jesus is alive. He is risen. And because he is risen, there are things that are amazing for us. Maybe this is what you can do this week. On the back of, your, of your, uh, that card, you flip it over. There are some next steps, some things you can do. The first one, maybe this week, you're going to commit to this. You want to memorize our memory verse. We already gave you a really good first step, head start, didn't we? Right? So you already got most of it. You say, this week, I want to memorize that. I'm going to think about what it says. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. If you want to say, I want to put that, tattoo that on my heart this week, then just check that off. Why? Because I'll be praying for you this week as you do that. But don't just memorize it. Think about what it says. Think about the power that God gives us in his resurrection. Maybe, maybe what you want to do is read the first chapter of Acts. Why? Because we're going to be studying Acts. But you know, even more than that, the very first chapter of Acts talks about how the God's Holy Spirit invades this world with life and hope and victory. You want, if, if you have had a down week or a hard time, read the first chapter of Acts. See how God changes the world. See how the story of the church began. That's an amazing thing. See, that's what I'm going to do this week. Read Acts 1. Or maybe you're here this morning and say, you know what? I would like to see God's power. How does that make a difference in my world? I'd like to see how God changed people before, and I want to see how, that, how I can have this victorious living. That these, how, does, how does that happen? Well, you know what? Maybe you want to attend these next five weeks as we complete the victorious living series. You've already come to the first one, so it's good. You say, well, I'm going to come here the next five weeks. And you know, if you gained something this week that was helpful to you, bring a friend next week. Uh, why hoard all the good stuff to yourself? Or maybe in the bottom, maybe you want to say, I want to become a, a believer or a follower of Jesus. You say, hey, Aaron, I circled the B. I know, I just don't want to miss it, okay? This is important, the biggest decision that you will ever make. And if that's the decision that you want to make, let us know. Maybe there's something else that you want to decide um, on there. There's some other things if you have a decision to make. Or if you just need a prayer request, write that down. We pray every week. If you put that down, then we'll be praying for you. We'll be lifting those things. And we've seen miracles happen this year, incredible things. So make sure you mark that down. Now, here in just a minute, we're going to take our offering. And what I'd like you to do is, as you bring your tithes and your offerings and your gifts gladly to God, put that connection card in there as well with, with your commitments. Let that be a commitment that you're offering yourself to God this week. Let's do that. Let's pray for our offering now. Heavenly Father, the fact that we can call you Father is, is phenomenal. We read in Scripture that your throne is surrounded by a glassy sea that uh, cannot be penetrated. You are holy, set aside, a different, remarkable, pure, good, unstained, And yet we also read in Revelation that at some point that sea has been removed. That there is no longer a separation between us and you. That we can come boldly to your throne. That that Jesus stands with you as our great high priest. The sacrifice made once for all time. And he is that anchor that holds us to you. And we recognize that he is there because he is alive. And he rose again and he proved it. And so he gives us this power to live. He gives us purpose in life because he overcame the grave. Thank you. Now, Father, I pray that you would take these offerings, these gifts, these tithes, and these commitments, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would do a work of them. Change our hearts through these things. Father, I pray as well that you would change our community. 
that you would invade this community with your love and your hope and your purpose and your power. Lord, let us live for you. Let us give all to you because we love you. And we love you because you first loved us. Thanks be to Jesus. It is in his name we pray. Amen.